Well, another great, great weekend of African football uh, in which we played the first leg of the African Football League between Wydad Casablanca and Mamelodi Sundowns. Um, the first leg was in Casablanca and that was the final match in the mythical Mohammed V Stadium uh, before it closes down for renovations ahead of the 2025 Africa Cup of Nations. Um, and for those of you that haven't had the privilege to get over there for a match, the Mohammed V Stadium in Casablanca, when one of the two Casablanca clubs, Raja Are We Dead, uh, are playing, is, in my opinion, one of the most unique and exhilarating experiences in world football. The kind of atmosphere they can generate over there is second to none. And so it's no surprise that these two teams, Mamelodi Sundowns and Widad Casablanca, uh, made it to the final of the African Football League. Um, the top four of last year's CAF Champions League was the top four of this year's AFL. So you have the top four clubs in Africa at the moment, Esperance de Tunis from Tunisia, Widad Casablanca from Morocco, Mamelodi Sundowns from South Africa, and Al Ahli from Egypt. But the team I really wanted to talk about was Mamelodi Sundowns. Um, they are the team to look out for in Africa. For those of you that are interested in tactics, Sundowns are by far the most tactically advanced in Africa, and they play the best football too. Um, part of that is down to their coach, Rulani Makwena. He's a um, 36-year-old genius with a football lineage. You know, his grandfather was a really talented South African player, a historic figure, uh, Eric Sono. Uh, his father played Julius Sono. His uncle was the very, very famous Jomo Sono, one of the, the greatest personalities in South African, in South Africa, not even South African football. Um, and Mokwena is, I mean, he has experience, he had experience coaching Pirates and Chippa United. Uh, he never quite played professional. Uh, he jokes that um, maybe sort of the God, God gave all the football genes to, you know, the, the people above him in his lineage and he didn't have enough. Um, but what I liked about him is that after a disappointing spell at Orlando Pirates where he was interim manager, he goes on this trip to Europe and he just starts watching football, you know, like everywhere. He talks about like having such a voracious appetite for football that he'll watch a match in Lesotho. He'll watch a match really like Vietnam, Thailand, and he'll just try to pick up little tidbits here and there. Why was this team doing that? Why was that coach instructing his players to do that? And he was ground hopping in Europe and, and watching and consuming as much football as possible. And he comes back to South Africa and he coaches Sundowns and there's a complete change. I mean, he's in 48 matches with Sundowns. He's won 34. He has 11 draws and just three defeats. Just incredible numbers. And Sundowns, I mean, they have a lot of money. They have the best squad in South Africa. But still, everybody everybody admits that Mokwen has taken his team to another level. And so watching a Sundowns match really isn't too dissimilar to watching like your Arsenal or Manchester City play. And I know that's a crazy statement to say, but I mean, they use things like inverted fullbacks. They have like a ruthless counter press. Uh, they have, you know, your ball playing goalkeepers. Um they use a lot of, you know, modern tactical innovations that teams in Africa usually never do. Um, Mokwena calls his philosophy, he says, we like to be chameleons and we like to adapt to, you know, certain contexts and, and matches. And when I asked him why he plays the kind of football he plays, because I had the, 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 real, the privilege to interview him um, last year ahead of the CAF Champions League semifinal, Mokwena told me that he 
espouses the philosophy that he does because Sundowns, as a club, want to play that kind of football. And I thought that was one of the more profound things anyone's told me in football over the last really two, three years. He said, my style of play is this way because the club wants me to play this way. It's still something I'm thinking about for months later. Why? I think genius tacticians like Mokwena, like when you think about like Guardiola and Arteta, I think they can often get so caught up in the X's and O's. They want their players to almost be robots. Like when you're in this area of the pitch, you do X, Y, or Z, you know? Um, and th- I don't think they often give the intangibles in football their due. Meaning what? Like, like think about Guardiola or Teta clashing with certain players. Um, they've been described as dictatorial. Think about, you know, like Ibrahimovic with, with Guardiola or Teta and Obama Yang. Um, I think they sometimes don't account for things like momentum, unity, identity, you know, the, the intangibles, the things that you can't measure, the things that you can't control uh, to a certain extent. And so as soon as McQuenna told me that, I thought, ah, that makes, that's like a really, really profound statement. Because think about Jose Mourinho at Spurs and think about Jose Mourinho at Inter. I, it just didn't feel right when he was at Spurs, right? Spurs are like entertaining, they're naive, they, they, the club have an identity. And Mourinho at Spurs was like, eh. Mourinho at Inter, at Helenio Herrera's Inter, yeah, that, that makes sense, right? And so that made me think that Mokwena gets the intangibles a little bit. Why are we talking about this? Because I think African interclub competitions, competitions like the Champions League, the Confederation Cup, or the Football League, I think they're not won by X's and O's. They're really won by the intangibles. These are games and trophies that are won by employing the dark arts. Um, you know, you have to influence the referee. You have to bolster the crowd atmosphere. You have to make sure team morale is at a high. Um, derive the opposition from a few hours of sleep if you can. And as successful as McQuen has been as a head coach, he hasn't really been able to make it over the hump in these competitions. A few weeks ago, he spoke to John McKenzie of the TFO podcast and listen to the way he describes the African Champions League. I think he understands the immaterial, off-the-pitch magic of these competitions. Listen to what he says. It's a feeling of, 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 of fighting or, or trying to compete against... Um, and, and uh, Jose Mourinho used this perfectly a few years ago, football heritage, because there are, there, are, there are teams from North Africa that have won this competition many a times, uh, like Al-Akhli and, and Widad, and, and these are the clubs that we, Esperance from Tunisia, these clubs have have um, a symbolic, maybe a, a, a relationship that is very close to this relationship that we see Real Madrid having with the uh, the the, Euro, the European Champions League, it's a it's a romantic relationship that you 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 can feel that the one loves the other, and even when the one wants to walk away from the other because they see potentially someone who could give them a little bit better than what they get from their current partner, but they still stay a, a, a lot closer and a lot more loyal to the one because. Of, of what history speaks about this this relationship it's the same with with uh, Sevilla for an example with uh, uh, the Europa League and you you, you see this uh, this happening season after season season after season so you see he almost says that it's inexplicable that there's some kind of supernatural force that determines the results in these competitions but I don't think it's supernatural and I don't think it's random 
I don't think it's due to fo football gods, imaginary football gods. I really do think that the intangibles matter. And, and sometimes the intangibles are out of the coach's hands or out of the player's hands. Sometimes it could be supporters. Sometimes it could be football administrators that make the difference when it comes to intangibles. And so that's something that I'm really watching is that now Mamelodi Sundowns are down 2-1. They conceded an own goal and a goalkeeping error. So, <laughs> again, things that, you know, as a coach will drive you crazy because you'll feel like these are avoidable uh, errors. Um, and they're, they're down 2-1. They're going to go play in Pretoria at home. And what I'm wondering is, can McQuenna harness the intangibles and make sure that his side finally win one of these trophies or competitions? If he can... That's going to say something to me. It's going to show me that McQuenna is a more complete coach, a more mature coach. And I think he'll be ready to make the next step. Because of all the coaches on the continent, I really do think that McQuenna is the most special. And I think that he's the one that will be able to hopefully one day coach at some of the biggest clubs in Europe. He's that much of a genius. Um, but it all starts really next weekend uh, with these upcoming 90 minutes. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go over our team of the week. So now we'll just quickly go over our team of the week. These are players that mostly play in Europe, but I mean, I really take a look at how Africans are performing all across the world, but I give a little more credence and a little more credit to players that are you know, doing spectacular things at the highest level and Europe at the moment is still the highest level. Um, so this week's team of the week, we're going to start in goal with Yahya Fofana, uh, the goalkeeper at Angers in France. Yahya Fofana kept a shutout. Angers won 2-0 in the second division in France. And Yahya Fofana has, I believe, five straight shutouts, five straight clean sheets at home. Um, I believe his they've only conceded a few goals over the last seven or eight games. He's just been very, very good. Uh, not just him, but the entire defense at Angers. But Yahya Fofana has just recently joined the Ivory Coast uh, national team. And I do believe he's going to be starting. So the fact that Cote d'Ivoire finally have, I mean, a, a real good goalkeeper in goal. I think even at when they had the golden generation, they didn't have a super talented goalkeeper. But now they have Yahya Fofana. I think it's actually going to work uh, quite well. So he's uh, our goalkeeper of the week. At left back, we have Nottingham Forest, Nigerian fullback Ola Aina, former Chelsea player. He scored a goal. Uh and he had a great performance uh, defensively as well. I think Ola Aina is one of those players that I think at the beginning of the season, many Forest fans didn't think would probably be starting. They probably saw him as a squad player, but he's very much grown into his role and uh, and been been quite good. Uh, the two center halves are two center halves that maybe in a few months we're going to be considering them as starters for their national teams, but at the moment are quite underrated. Wilfred Singo at Monaco. Uh, who was at Torino last year and uh, has had a great start to the season with Monaco. They kept they kept the shutout and he had uh, a good number of tackles and interceptions. And FC Lorient center half foremost Mendy, uh, Senegalese uh, defender. He plays on the right of a three-man uh, back line at Lorient, but uh, he was man of the match. He was absolutely great. And for those interested in African football, I think Lorient is a team to watch because Besides him, they have the Tunisian center-half, Montessar Talbi, who's quality. They have uh, Darwin Yangwa, uh, the Cameroonian left-back. They, they have quite a good uh, number of African players that are worth watching. At a right-back, we have Nusser Mazraoui, who's put in a second uh, consecutive great performance uh, for Bayern Munich. Bayern 
absolutely destroyed Borussia Dortmund this weekend uh, 4-0 and he had a great performance. Our three-man midfield is going to be Mohamed Kudus of Ghana, who I can't believe none of the bigger clubs came in for him, but I really don't need to talk about him. Everybody knows how much quality he has and, and he sh- that was on display for West Ham. Um, Nabil Bentaleb from Lille, who is slowly growing into his own and I think if he continues to perform the way he has will cement that number six spot for the Algerian national team as his own. And the third uh, in our midfield is going to be Muhtasim al-Masrati, the Libyan center midfielder, plays for Braga. Braga won 6-1 this weekend, and al-Masrati scored the second goal with a penalty and just had a great performance. Al-Masrati is one of the more underrated players in African football. Nobody talks about him because he's Libyan, and not a lot of people watch Braga, but he's slowly, quietly been one of the best midfielders in the Portuguese Liga over the last three years, so very much deserving his um, spot in the team of the week. And finally, our front line, there was so many options here, but I went with Omar Marmouche, the Egyptian um, winger slash forward. Um, he scored two goals, and he's probably one of the hottest players in the world at the moment. If you look at his form over the last five matches, several goals, several assists, and um, a lot of Egyptians, I think, are starting to come to the realization that even if he doesn't start at the, on the left wing, perhaps he could be a very good backup for Mustafa Mohammed um, as a center forward for Egypt. And they just have so much quality. I mean, along that front line, Mohammed Salah, obviously, probably the best African player. Mustafa Mohammed, great form for Nantes in Ligue 1 in France. And now you have Omar Marmouche. But you, I mean, there's really a lot of options that they can use. They can use Trezeguet. Um, so, many, so much quality along that front line. And Egypt are going to be, I think, a team that are going to be favorites uh, at the upcoming AFCON. On the right wing, I think we all forgot about Wilfred Zaha at Galatasaray, but he scored two goals uh, as Galatasaray won 2-0. So uh, Wilfred Zaha definitely deserves his spot there. With a special shout-out to Mohamed Amin Amoura, the Algerian uh, forward slash winger who scored two goals for uh, RUSG in Belgium and who is another person that's, I think, been one of the hottest players in the world over the last eight or nine games. Uh, watch what he's done with the little amount of minutes that he's had. Um, and I think you'll be as impressed as I have. And finally, the Congolese striker, Simon Banza, uh, current leading scorer in Portugal, uh, also plays with Braga, a teammate of Matassam al Musratis. He's at 10 goals this season, and he scored a hat-trick and had an assist uh, as Braga won 6-1 over the weekend. So that's our team of the week. This is gonna, just going to be a short segment where we're going to highlight you know, the top performers in Europe and, and around the world. Uh, just so we can keep track of it and see who's really informed heading into the AFCON. And that was this week's African Football Roundup. Uh, thanks for following. Uh, this is just going to be a weekly check-in on, on Mondays or Tuesdays where we uh, recap uh, this week's action. And sometimes we'll have a guest. So next week we'll have a, a really, 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 really high-profile guest, somebody that I think you'll all be very uh, thrilled to listen to. Um, and don't forget that this Friday we'll have a new episode of the African Five Aside podcast. Uh, last week, if you didn't hear it, was uh, we profiled Gamal Abdel Nasser, the former Egyptian president, and the relationship that he had with football. And uh, next week we're going to be profiling another African head of state and their policies in African football and sport. Thanks for following along. Please don't forget to like and subscribe if you've enjoyed this, and uh, we'll see you in a few days. I'm gonna keep my son in